Hey, everybody. Oh, I'm excited about today. Are you excited about today? All right, because listen, today is, it is the climax. It is what we've been waiting for. It has been what we've been building for the last two weeks. Because for the last two weeks, we've been diagnosing and we've been talking about what's wrong with us and, and what's been plaguing us. And, and we've been following, or we've been studying the story out of Luke 15, uh, the prodigal son story, or the father with two sons. And we took one whole week to talk about the younger brother and all that he went through, and a whole other week to talk about the older brother and what he went through. But how that represents to us orphan thinking and the orphan heart. And so we're going to get, I'm going to do more review in a little bit, but I just really just want to get into it because there's a lot happening today and there's an activation that I want to do at the end and I want plenty of time for it. So I'm just going to start busting through some of these notes. We're just going to start here in Galatians, Galatians 4, 6 through 7, because we're going to talk about sonship today. We're going to talk about the love of the father today. And, and I think that that is something that we miss. It's something that we just Listen, guys, the father is better than we think he is. Even your concept of who you believe God is, if, even if it's, if it's in a good place, he's even better than that. And he wants you, he is inviting you to experience his goodness and to experience this new level of understanding just how good he is. And I think it's a lifelong journey that we're never going to fully know until we are face to face. We will. You're not going to know his goodness fully, but I think we can know it more and more, right? Okay, so Galatians 4, 6 through 7, and because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son, and if a son, then an heir through God. Listen, guys, that word, Abba, is a term of endearment that a child would say to his father. It's like calling God daddy or pops or something very intimate, something that we're probably really uncomfortable calling God, right? But we were created for sonship. We were not created for slavery. We were created for sonship, for daughtership. I told you last week that's too hard to say, so you guys are going to be sons today. That's right. That's right. Men have to be the bride of Christ. Girls, we are sons of God. Okay? That's it. All right. So, but we're created for an intimate relationship with God, with the Father. We are created for that. We are created for intimate relationship with one another. And anything less than that, there is, there is this hole of fulfillment that needs filled that can only come from the love of the Father. And if you don't receive it, if you don't understand it, if you're not pursuing it, you will look for that fulfillment in other things because you're dying for it. You're living for it. That's the whole point you're here, okay? So we all go through hard things. We all go through pain. And pain demands a response. We learned that last week. Pain demands a response. And so when we go through hard things, we can either choose sonship and we can stay close with the Father, understanding the love of the Father. Or we can believe to, we can begin to believe the lie of the enemy that says you're an orphan and you're all alone to figure this out. 
No one wants to help you. God's not there for you. You're stuck. And usually in that place, and that's what we talked about these last two weeks, is we can either go through the path, the orphan that looks like the younger brother or the orphan that looks like the older brother. Now, how many of you guys got these when you came in? This is a little chart. Do we have it? Wave it at me. Wave it. If you don't have it, put your hand in the air, and if somebody could help somebody by getting it to them, somebody in the back. Ben, will you do that for me? Will you grab those worksheets in the back and pass them out to anybody that has their hand up? Thank you. Um, Because we are going to just begin to go over this. This is something that you can... Your hand is up, and I'm thinking, yes, Eric, what would you need? I, that, okay. <laughs> okay. All right. So um, the, we're going to be talking today about Luke uh, chapter 15, 11 through 32. That's what we've talked about these last two weeks. And this is the father that had two sons, and they both missed his heart. Because we can be in God's house and we can miss God's heart, right? It's so easy to do. It's so easy to do. But the younger brother ran away and eventually came home, and the older brother stayed out of obligation. And so this is what I want us to do. On this piece of paper, what I've done here is I've compared the younger brother, the older brother, and then Jesus, or what it looks like to walk in sonship. Tiffany helped me with this this week, and we had so much fun making this. But um, it's important that we know, because we've taken the last two weeks to talk about what not to do, to talk about what, what it looks like to be an orphan, but we really need to look at what it looks like to be a son. But even before that, because here's the thing, I'm still even getting the cart before the horse, Because in order for you to walk in sonship or to know sonship or to have this revelation of sonship, you have to know the love of the Father. That has to come first. But I wanted you to get a vision of maybe what it looks like. Okay, so I'm not going to go over all of these, but I'm just going to sum it up this way. Younger brothers don't want direction or correction, and they abandon relationships, usually emotionally. They are lost, looking for purpose, and end up fulfilling their desires with self-destructive behavior. They believe that they aren't worthy to come into the presence of God as a son. They must come as a servant. So then the older brothers have experienced loss and haven't healed, but instead allowed bitterness, jealousy, and anger to take root. They work hard for the kingdom, but don't want correction or discipline because that feels like punishment. They believe that being a servant would be the best way to show loyalty rather than enjoying sonship. And so let's take a look at Jesus. So take a look at that page that you have there. Let's look at how Jesus views sonship. Let's look at how he was a son. Jesus views correction as an act of love. That's what you do when you walk in sonship. Sonship receives love from the father and pours it out into relationships. When you're in sonship, you know your worth and identity and you're able to authentically love. You know, Jesus received his father's love and blessing and walks in the power of the Holy Spirit. And this is what we're to do too. 
Jesus only does what he sees the Father doing out of love. Jesus spends time alone talking to the Father and pours his heart out when he's troubled. Instead of running from him or thinking that he's unapproachable. Jesus celebrates others' wins and has entered the rest, joy, and peace of God. Now this worksheet right here, this is not a complete picture of what it all looks like. I'm sure that I'm missing some things. and I'm, So take this and use it in your study and add to it. It's not an exhaustive list. It's just something that I, I wanted you to have just to start with so that we can see that comparison of what it looks like. And you know, have you guys, have you, these last two weeks, honest survey here, how many of you guys have realized that there is still orphan thinking showing up in your life? Okay, good. Thank you for your honesty. I also am still, I'm still, I told you last week, still things showing up, new things still this week. And so this is a process, you guys. The enemy wants us to believe that we're orphans or that we're not sons and daughters of God. That is just the thing. So this is a journey. This is a process of us uh, unlearning behavior that we've had our whole lives. The thing that popped up in me this week and is that I you know, you think, you think you get this level of healing and you realize, nope, it's still there. It's still there. It's just not getting poked right now, which is why it's not bothering me. And the fear of loss and the fear of abandonment is something that has ruled my life for a really, really long time. And it still shows up. And I realize that, wow, I am still doing that. But the thing that stood out to me this week was... This thing of older brothers, because that's where I'm identifying now in my life as older brother, because I was younger brother, but um, is this thing of correction, how I view correction and discipline and critique. And, you know, I know that sons and daughters, you know, I've read Hebrews 12. I know that we're supposed to love correction, and that's what the sign of being a son is that you love correction and discipline and and all of that, but I have hated it. Like, I I hate it. And (laughs) hate. I mean, when it comes time for, like, feedback time, you know, after the message, I'm like, okay, what? And and I know that's not right, and I've always known that's not right, I've, but I've not been able to just, like, put my finger on, what, what is this? What is this thing that I'm, what is my problem here? And I realize that it's not about, it's not that I don't want to improve, because I do. That I, I critique myself all the time. I'm constantly trying to improve. This is just my personality and the way I'm wired. Always trying to do better. Always, always, always. So it's not that. It is, and I wrote this down because I want to The problem is in my fear that whatever I'm doing that I could have done better will now be taken away from me because I didn't do it well. It's a fear of loss. And that is a punishment mentality. And I'm like, that's it. Because I've never been able to embrace myself in the process of growth. I've always been really hard on myself. And the reason why is because I'm afraid that something's going to be taken away from me. You know, I go somewhere, because I've gone to different places and taught different messages, and sometimes they go really well, and sometimes they're mm, mediocre. And I beat myself up forever. I'm like, oh, I'm never going to get invited back there again. You know, things like that. And 
or, or, you know, you make some unpopular decision in youth ministry, right? And, um, and, and you think to yourself, the fear is, well, I'm fired. <laughs> They're not going to do that. But it's the fear, like the mob's going to get me out or something. But it's, you know, none of these are realistic thoughts, but it shows that I had an issue with the father. It shows that I didn't believe my place of sonship, that God is the one who's called me to these things. And if doors are closed by man, the Lord will open it somewhere else. That I've got to be okay with embracing where I am in the process of growth and just being okay with it. This is where I am. And it's okay. And the Lord is okay with it. And so that is where I am this week in this process of, of, of getting some freedom. So I hope that you guys are also getting some of that same revelation because it's freeing when we know. I don't know why, but I love to know why I do what I do. I, and I will dig until I find it. So anyway, all right. So for all who are led by the spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Here it is again. Abba, Father, that uncomfortable term of endearment for the Lord. And here Paul is saying again, you are sons of God. When you're walking in sonship, you are led by the Spirit. You don't have to go back to your life of fear or sin. You've been adopted. And because that adoption is in you, that Spirit of adoption is in you, you have the privilege to approach the Father in an intimate way. He is approachable. He's, his love is better than we think it is. And he is inviting us to experience his goodness. Now, there can be a few hangups with this. A couple that I'm going to talk about today is one, how we view adoption. And two, how we view father. So let's talk about adoption. You know, Paul is writing to the Romans and they knew and understood adoption. It was part of Roman law. Adoption is, it's a legal, legally binding thing that says you have all the benefits of being an heir. You, it is the same as if you were blood born. It is not a second rate, second choice decision. Because here is the thing, is that adoption in the natural is an earthly representation of a spiritual concept, just like marriage is. Marriage represents Christ in the church. Adoption represents God's heart for all of his people, Jew and Gentile. And the way we view adoption in the natural needs a shift, I think, personally, especially on my pro-life stance. It's a little bit of um, shame attached to it. Or, but we reveal our hearts based on some of the language that we use. You know, we say things like, and, and I mean this with all honor and all validation for everyone's feelings. So don't, don't hear me say that this is wrong, okay? But, but it, it reveals something. We say things like, 
I want a child of my own. I don't want to adopt. And you go, well, that is your own. You know what I'm saying? And I understand that it's about, I, I want the same DNA. But the Lord is like, I actually can supernaturally do that. Look at what I did in the kingdom. Because adoption in the kingdom is, you have my DNA, you're mine. And so I think we are missing, we are missing the beauty of adoption. And because here on earth it can be it painful. It can be painful to, to the, the people involved, you know, and, and even in the language of, of I gave, uh, this person gave their child up for adoption, gave up, that word gave up. That insinuates abandonment. It was at the root of it. And it's taking God out of the equation of the sovereignty of it. You know, when Moses' mom sent him down the river and the sovereignty of that. And no matter how adoption happens, whether it's through foster care, uh, overseas adoption, like whatever it is, the Lord is in it. The Lord is in it and it is a representation of his concept of how he adopts us into his kingdom it's not second it's not it it is it is just the most amazing privilege to be a part of and so adoption is a reflection of God's heart towards all of mankind and it is not plan b it's not plan b for someone's life to be adopted that's not plan b and let me just tell you let me compare it like this because when Adam and Eve were in the garden, okay, and they were walking in sonship with God, and they were one with God, and they sinned, okay? Now, after that happened, in order for, for mankind to have relationship with God again, there had to be atonement for sin, which is why Jesus came, and then, uh, and then made room for the Holy Spirit to come and be with us so we can be united back to God. But... Jesus wasn't plan B, okay? When Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, he didn't sit back and go, oh my gosh, what am I gonna do now? Because now I can't be in relationship with them. Oh, what am I gonna do? Okay, I'm gonna have to have a savior now and here's plan B. That's not it. Jesus was always part of the plan, okay? It's the same thing with adoption. Adoption has always been part of God's plan. It is part of who he is. So anyway, so just a shout out to those who have been adopted or who have adopted. Thank you for representing to us the kingdom of God and how he brings us into his family. I just, yes, give a praise for that. Okay. Nope, not yet. We can go back. So the other thing, the other hang-up that we can have is with the Father, calling God Abba. Because, and, and Mike nailed it today, our earthly father's failures and shortcomings. You know, we were created, it's just kind of how we're wired, how God created us that we do. We take our parents and we reflect that onto the Godhead. Our fathers represent Father, whether we like it or not, and whether they're good at it or not, whether they've done a good job of it or not. And so... So we do that. 
And we can have deep wounds of rejection and disconnection that we reflect onto the Father. And sometimes I think that we think that Jesus and the Father have different personalities. Like Jesus came to save us from a mean and bitter Father. Right? I mean, am I the only one that ever thought that? Okay. <clears throat> Excuse me. I don't, how to, don't know how to mute myself, so you guys just had to be here for that. Um, <clears throat> but Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. They don't have these different personalities. They're both good. The Father is good. He's loving, and he's just. But for me, I struggled with the Father's love because it felt... Now listen, still love me when we're done with this because I'm about to confess something to you that you're going to be like, I cannot believe you felt that way. <laughs> okay. Okay. But I struggled with the Father's love feeling common. Because if God so loved the whole world that he gave his son, okay, so he loves the whole world. Okay. That didn't feel intimate and personal to me. Don't know why, because I was orphaned, thinking. But it felt generic. It was this one-size-fits-all, everything is the same. And I wanted to be one of his favorites. I didn't want the common, he loves everyone love. I wanted, I wanted to be the favorite. So I started working for it. If I work really hard in the kingdom, he's going to love me more than Eric. <laughs> and I need that to feel valuable. <laughs> but I was trying to reduce the father's ability to love the whole world down to my personal capacity and understanding. Because I have to be honest with you, is that I don't love all you the same. I love some of you more than others. But I was reflecting that onto the Lord. Let's guess. Let's guess who's, who do I love more? Well, guess what? His love is better than we think it is. And he is inviting us to experience his goodness. That's right. So we can give it away. But who am I to judge the Lord's capacity to love? So let's look at the evidence. Let's look at the evidence. Does he, is he this God who loves so deeply, so intimately? So we're going to go and we're going to talk about Luke chapter 15. And if you haven't been here for the other messages, go back and listen to them. But this part in the story, here's where we are, is that the, the younger son had gone away. The father had two sons. The younger son went away. He took his inheritance and went away and squandered it. But he was a mess and he spent it all and he's coming home. And this is how the father responded to his betrayal. But I want to say this first. 
It feels like a hard and crazy concept to just sit and accept the love of the Father. Like you have to conjure up warm fuzzies, right? And, and hear me today, I'm not asking you to conjure up any warm and fuzzies, okay? I'm not trying to push something on you or trying to make something happen. Because the truth of the matter is, is he has warm fuzzies for you, whether you feel it or not whether you open yourself up to it or not. So I'm not trying to force anything, and I'm not trying to force you either. But just because you haven't experienced it doesn't mean that it isn't true. And I'm going to say that again. Just because you haven't experienced his goodness and his love and his mercy doesn't mean that it isn't true. How's that for a double negative? My grammar's so good. Where's Kim Dickerson? She's going to be like... That was a double negative, Shelley. <laughs> but we run from intimacy because we've built walls and defense mechanisms, but we need to acknowledge that we've been wrong about God, about the Father and his nature and his character. But we're wired to do this. Remember Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus? We are wired to experience the love of the Father and to pour our love out onto him. But when you look for fulfillment and connection and belonging in anything other than the Father, even in your earthly relationships, because it's hard to think like, well, that's not tangible. He's not here with me. I don't feel it. I want to try to get it from my wife or my children or, or whatever that is. And those are good and you should. But you first have to get it from the Father. Because if you don't first get it from the Father, you will have a hole in your love tank. And those people will never fill it. And you'll constantly look for it and you'll put a demand on them that they can't give you. And you've got to get it from the Father first. Okay, so we're going to look at the evidence. We're going to treat this like a court of law, okay? This is the goodness of God. Whether you want to believe it or not, this is how he feels about you. This is how he responded to the younger brother. This is how he responded to the older brother. This is how he's responding to you, okay? All right, so the father was watching for his younger son to come home. And even though he had betrayed him, spent all that he had, he had wasted away, he was smelly, and he was at his lowest point. Even then, the father, when he saw him, went running after him. As soon as you turn towards the Lord, he goes running after you. And he embraced him, and he kissed him. The father wants to embrace you and kiss you. How's that for uncomfortable? He doesn't want to humiliate you. In fact, he calls for the ring and the robe and the sandals. And that ring, it is the family ring and it was the father saying, I'm not ashamed of you. I want everyone to know that you are mine and you are in my family. 
I am putting the family ring on you and I am so proud that you are my son and you are my daughter. No matter what you've done, I don't care because he put the ring on when he still stunk. He didn't shower yet. And that's when he put the ring on him. And he called for the best robe. And depending depending on the commentary that you read, some say that, that, that they went back and they got the robe that he had left behind before he left. Others say that he went and got the father's robe. But either way, it's about restoration. Stinky and smelly and gross, he's restoring. He's saying, you are in my family. I am restoring you. I'm not holding your past against you. I don't care how gross it is. I'm not holding your past against you. Yes, even that thing. Yep, even that thing. As things are popping up, even that. He's not holding it against you. He wants you to share in his royalty. And he put the sandals on his feet and only slaves wore were barefoot. So here's what he's saying to you. He's saying the slavery to sin, the slavery to pain, I'm healing that in you. I'm healing you. You want to be free? I've got this. I can free you. It's my love that sets you free because that's what you've been looking for this whole time you've been out doing your thing. You're actually looking for my love. In every addiction, in every behavior, in every everything, you're actually looking for my love. So if you just receive it, you will be free. But he sees you and he knows your pain. And then the father killed the fattened calf and he had a feast. He lavished blessing on an undeserving person, what we would call undeserving. He lavished his blessing. And that was really offensive to the older brother because he felt like that he was not deserving. How many of you guys are older brothers to yourselves, to your own younger brother? You know what I'm saying? I'm the split personality. You don't deserve God's blessing. You're saying it to yourself, right? Well, shut that thing up. You are loved. And here's the cool part is that when the older brother was acting so immature and he was so full of anger, he was so full of, of just bitterness and jealousy of, I cannot believe you're blessing him and I've been here this whole time. But the father addressed him and he said, hey, and he called him my mature and beloved son. He used that word, son. He said, you're my beloved son. 
You're mature, even though you're acting immature. Come into the celebration with me. All that is mine is yours, and it always has been. And so the Lord is talking to all of us. If you've ever felt like you were in lack, the Lord is saying, I've always been here. All that is mine is yours. But you've just been in this servant mentality and you've not been able to receive or to see where my provision has come from. How many of you guys have acted immaturely? And then you beat yourself up for it. Stop it. Because the Lord is calling you mature. Be okay with the place in your growth that you are right now. Have grace for yourself in the process of growth. Because the Lord, no matter where you are in your process of growth, the Lord is calling you a mature son, a mature daughter. And he's moving you into greater maturity. Oh my gosh, I think I'm doing good. On time, I was so worried about going over that first time I went over so much. Okay, so here's the thing. Be okay with where you are in the process. Still doing it. So here's the thing, is that we can't deny this evidence, right? He's better than we think he is. And you can't deny the evidence. It's everywhere. We don't have to do anything to earn his love. Do you see that from the prodigal son story? You don't have to do anything to earn his love. He loves you right in the middle of your mess, and he loves you right in the middle of your immaturity and bitterness. You don't have to earn his love. It is a free gift. Also, it's not generic love. It's not one size fits all. Mike described it great today during worship. It is tailor-made for you. It is an intimate love that he has just for you. And we don't need to conjure up emotion about it because it should be emotional. We don't have to make it happen. But it's true whether you believe it or not. Our memory verse this week actually lines up with what we're doing here. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Amen. So, like I said, walking in sonship is a journey. This is a kind of a daily process of, of learning to live in the love of the Father. And even though we were created for it, it doesn't come naturally, okay? And I think it will eventually come naturally, but we were created for this. We were created to spend time in his presence and to sit at his feet and to feel the love that he has for us. We were created for this. And actually, we love because he first loved us. Everything that we do for the kingdom has to come out of first his love for us. We have to experience and know and encounter the love of God before we can really be productive in, in anything that he's called us to do. Discipleship, preaching, teaching, evangelism. It comes first out of the revelation of sonship. 
So this is a journey. Some days you're going to do well. Other days you're going to feel like an orphan. That's why you have people in the body of Christ. But what we're going to do is I'm going to show you, I have a suggestion of some things that you can do on a daily basis. And the worship team, if you guys can go ahead and come up. Because we're going to do an exercise together today. So this thing that we're going to do here, I'm going to create a space for us to cultivate the love of God, the presence of God, and cultivate sonship. This is something that you can do every day. This is something that you can do once a week. And it doesn't even have to look like this. This is just a suggestion. So do you guys have the worksheet that I gave you? Okay, on the back side... Oh, mine doesn't have a backside. Here it is. Okay. On the back side, it has something that you can do each day. And for me, journaling is the way that I hear from God. Okay? So if that helps you or if you've never tried it, I suggest that you try it today. I actually have some blank paper on that back table and I have some pencils back there. Also for probably millennials and Gen Z, you can take, you can do this on your phone in the notes of your phone if you want to. But I want to encourage you to start with some journaling. The first thing we're going to do is we're going to take some time and we are going to unload, unload our yuck to the Lord. Okay. We're going to start just telling the Lord, I see, I, I see this, um, failure. I feel guilt for this. I give you my guilt. I give you my shame. I give you my pain. Just take some time to just start. See what I'm saying? Like, like confessing to the Lord. And so if you have, whenever you guys are ready, I'm just going to have them play softly. And we're going to take just a couple of minutes. And I want you to just take some time with the Lord. And I'm talking to youth and everybody. I want you guys all doing this. Okay. Everybody, everybody, because bring your notes to Impact tonight and we'll talk about it. I want you to just start by taking a couple of minutes to unpack your heart to the Lord. Lord, I've not seen you the way I could have. I've brought shame to myself. I've beat myself up about these things. And you can go anywhere in the sanctuary that you need to go. If you need to spread out a little bit, do that. If you need to get on your knees, do that. Just take a minute because we're going to posture ourselves in a way that we hear from the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I give you all my pain. Surrender that to you, God. Lord, I repent for my pride. Having a bad attitude. Lord, I repent for partnering with the victim. Lord, I humble myself before you. 
All right, that doesn't have to take a long time. When you do it at home, you can do it for as long as you want. That's the time of just pouring out our complaint to the Lord. Because we love because he first loved us, we're going to take some time and we're going to declare some things, some truths of how the Lord feels about us. So we're going to do this together on the worksheet. I also have it up on the screen. We're going to make these declarations together. We're going to start with the men, just on this first one. Just declare, I am a son of God. Ladies, I am a daughter of God. Okay, all together. I am not a slave to my fear or my sin. I have been adopted. I have all the benefits of sonship. I am an heir with Christ. I can approach the Father boldly and call him Abba. He is a safe refuge. He loves me with a perfect love that casts out all my fear. He disciplines me with love and gently restores me. He does not set me up for failure, but he sets me up to succeed, learn, and grow. He takes all things and works them for my good. Jesus took all my sin, shame, and grief upon him so that I can receive grace and mercy. He sent me the Holy Spirit so I have divine creative power on the inside of me. I hear the voice of the Holy Spirit and he leads and guides me. Holy Spirit gifts and fruits are waiting to be revealed in me to glorify our Father in heaven. I encounter the Holy Spirit when I read the word of God. I put on my robe. I am restored to the Father and I am in sonship. I put on my ring. I am adopted into the family and the Lord is not ashamed of me. I put on my sandals. I am freed from all bondages that have tried to enslave me. I am coming into the celebration. Amen. Amen. Okay, so did that feel good? You feeling a little lighter? All right, we're going to take a minute. We're just going to sing a little bit of this song, and then we're going to come back, and you guys are going to do an exercise of hearing from the Father, okay? All right. You can stand up and worship. You can sit. You can do whatever you want to do, but I want you connecting with the Father in this moment. Remember, He is Abba. He is our Father. He's Pops. He's Daddy. Go to Him in this intimate way. Now the Lord wants to respond to you. The Father wants to speak to you. So we're going to ask Him a question. And we're going to wait for you to hear from the Lord for yourself. And, you, and, and I encourage you, write it down. Write down what he says. And listen, if the voice that you hear is critical, that's not the Father. Because he gently corrects and restores. If you hear no voice, there's nothing wrong with you. Okay, there's nothing wrong with you. It just means this isn't the setting for it and try it again at home, okay? 
but we're going to practice this. We're going to, he's always singing over you. He's always speaking to you. So just take a few minutes now and we're going to ask the Lord this question. Father, what do you think of me? How do you feel about me? And listen for his response. I just hear the Lord. He's saying over, over you. I see you. I see you. And I've seen all that you've been through. And I was with you. I'm healing you. I'm restoring you. Don't be afraid of disappointment any longer. Put your hope in me. I'm with you. I love you. That was not too much for me. I've got you. There's so much I want to do in you. I'm healing your heart right now. Abba. Your love is so good. Thank you for inviting us into your presence. Thank you for wanting to share your love with us, that we can experience your love in such a tangible way. We can experience your goodness for the purpose of giving it away. God, you're so good. You're so good. Abba, you are a good father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Did you guys hear from the Lord? Did he give you some, some stuff? Give me some hands. Yes. Okay. All right. I encourage you to do this every day in your quiet time. Just ask him, how do you feel about me, God? I want to I know. I want to I be a son. I want to be a daughter. I want to feel you as Abba. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.
Amen.